and Toby. <laughs> Lunsford, you're on Mintable. You're going to get an NFT right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sh- it's, NFT you know, shopping. I, I know. I'm I'm lifting one. Oh, you're I'm selling. selling. You're a seller. I'm selling. How'd you make yeah. it? What? I, it's a picture of pasta I made last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so, wild. I mean, but that you know, I'm just playing around. But you can do that. You can put but, that up there. But that's what I want to ask Zach. Doesn't it cost a lot of money though? Like if to to actually is is mintable? Uh, well, ask him in a minute, I guess. But I, I I'm not there yet. But yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Keep going through. He'll be here just in a minute. So just keep talking. And then we immediately stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm filling out all the stuff. I want to say it said you can. It's free to list. You know, maybe, maybe you have to pay a, you know, the fee when you. Uh, I'm going to put it on auction, and we will make it a, make it a, a seven day auction. Really give people time. What people? Was this a particularly the, good the, the bit people. of pot? Was this a particularly good pasta that you made? Like, oh, it's fantastic! Of, it's a cacio e pepe. So, out one of, of the all four, the pastas you made, though, is this one of the best, better ones? Yeah, it's my favorite pasta. This, I mean, this 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 specific one that is a picture of it. You're talking um, about in general this meal, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying but this, this specific, specific one. Yes, if if you think that'll help sell it, yep, as good as I've ever made it. How much are you gonna sell it for? Well, I'm thinking I should start the bid price at. Uh, you got to make people think it's special, right? Right. So maybe you start it at a hundred dollars. I was thinking one hundred fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. hundred and fifty. All right. Which would be point zero eight four one two three Ethereum. So that's pretty good. And if that if that fucking thing sails, you are going. It's going to ruin your life. Yeah, you'll be screwed if that. <laughs> you works. are fucked yeah. so badly <laughs> yeah. if that sails, because you will then think, well, it's just begun. <laughs> yeah, my new career is underway. <laughs> well, I I knew if I kept trying, it, unless it shows up to event Bryce shooting a bird with his hundred fifty dollar check. <laughs> Hey, hey guys! I'm not gonna be working on the podcast anymore. I'm just gonna <laughs> devote. I'm gonna devote my time to. There are certainly some people mentable. that are just doing NFT, like just making NFTs nonstop now, right? Like, I mean, they're just they they are just have to be on fire. Like, oh wait, the more I do, the better chance I have of making some. You know, because everybody, the number one thing people love, especially on TikTok, passive uh-huh. income. They love talking about passive income. My yeah. God, passive income is just—you got to have it. You—if you don't have it, you're foolish. You're worthless. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing good. You have to have passive income. You got. Everybody have thinks side hustle passive income. Uh, it, yeah, got but it. there isn't that. It, that doesn't even really exist. Nothing's passive that does any yeah. kind of good. You you have yeah. to work your ass off. Well, it's not if you own real estate. You don't just rental well, income and stuff like that. And- yeah, but yes, you're right. But I'm not thinking of real estate as a side hustle that you don't put that much money and time into. You still have to put a lot of mo- time into your even. Well, I mean, you're right. You're making money, but I mean, what? I mean, if you're talking about a, are, are one of those things you can. If have you're talking a about a rental income. or something like that, yeah, you know, yeah, there's still a lot of work. The ideal uh, one is royalties, though. You have a TV show in syndication or rent yeah. reruns, and so you that's the passive income you really want. Is Seinfeld passive? 
the most yeah. passive I've ever, most passive I've ever heard in my life. This is hilarious, Matt. You'll probably remember this. We were in L.A. and I think this is when we got to write with Mick Mars, but I might be wrong. Mick Mars uh, from Motley Crue, but we, I think we left this studio or we were shooting a video that day, whatever it was. And uh, me, Dave, and Matt went to this little bar across the street from our hotel. We had this funny little hotel, and because uh, we couldn't, we didn't afford, couldn't afford the, the nice ones. No, we were at the Hotel California on that trip. But I thought it, it wasn't it that nice, be, though. It was just a motel. I mean, nice. well, maybe it is. I but guess yeah, I, it was right in, um, right in Santa Monica. Right. Yeah. And across the street was that little bar, and we went over there, and it looked almost like you know, kind of like a tiki bar in some ways. It seems like that. I feel like it was some Hawaiian vibe there. Maybe the guy was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, I know why I'm thinking that because he was from Hawaii. So <laughs> this guy, this guy, and this hot blonde sit down next to us, and they're just talking. She's just talking, you know. She's with her guy. Obviously, he's something or has something. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. she's just drinking in the afternoon and just talking, and she sees us, and then you know, eventually gets to y'all are in a band. Oh, okay, da da da. And then we asked what what do y'all do, and she said he does nothing. Like that. And we're like, what do you mean? Well, okay, okay, whatever. He's like, well, you know, and we kept talking, kept talking. Eventually it came out that he makes a really good living, like I guess millions, because I think it was his grandparents bought a piece of property in, uh, was it Oahu? I think it was Oahu. And that's where the McDonald's sits on in Oahu. Oh, my God. So that's his entire income. Just whatever they pay in rent or leasing Uh that, that property. He gets, and I I believe it was something like sixty seventy thousand dollars a month at least. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, it's for sure that because I yeah. had a uh, my grandma's sister who grew up in rural Georgia or whatever. I mean, they were born in like nineteen ten or something like that, and they owned a property in Atlanta from just super forever ago, and it wound up being a, a Wolf's camera shop was leasing it, and it was ten thousand a month she would get. Ten thousand a month, yeah, for the camera shop that, and that whatever that property was that they'd had for sixty yeah. years or whatever it was. But just she just happened to be the person in the family that owned that property. It was ten thousand right. every month for just from a camera shop in somewhere in a suburb, you know, commercial Atlanta. So of course space. McDonald's in Oahu downtown right. or something. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's, that's, that's his whole life. I mean that's his whole life. That's what that that not fair that exact picture of that guy is what everybody thinks when they say wealth redistribution all the rich people yeah. they think that they think you just the land who cares about landlords that's it's right. like that's the the fantasy of that i mean that and that does exist i mean there are those pe- people but that's right. that's the means by which you go i see rich people and all the people that are landlords and own businesses we got to just get we've got to redistribute that because that what you just oh, said yeah. it's not that's not fair it can't be that you don't have to work. It can't be. Right. Yeah. I, a hot take. I bet most rich people actually work real hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a lot oh, like real hard, right? Yeah. 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 Like nonstop. <laughs> that, in fact, they, they don't even care about the money as much as the work, probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I promise you, I've never been more jealous of, the, of a person in my life when I heard that. I was like, he just doesn't have to worry. And all now, the people, McDonald's he can eat. Yeah. Now I bet I I got the vibe that his family probably thinks he's kind of dumb or the idiot son that can't do anything or whatever. Zach's but here. He just take he just takes it. You know what I mean? Y'all ready for Zach? Oh yeah. All right, let's Bring do it. it. Let's get some gain some NFT knowledge. I'm live, by the way, on my uh, Cacho Pepe. There you go. Wow, that was quick. 
There, I hear him. Hey, Zach, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Great. Can you see us and hear us okay? Yeah, let me uh, set up my cam for you guys. Uh, it was that sweet tea? <laughs> well, I'll show yeah. you what it is. It's it's unsweetened tea. I drink it by the oh. big jug here, so I just there's no way I could do it with sugar in it. But I kind of quit drinking and stuff like that, so I just stay caffeinated all day. I have something, so I don't even b- bother pouring it into cups anymore. I just drink it out of the jug. Man, that's something I miss is sweet tea. Good old southern sweet tea. I can't obviously they don't have it here in Asia, but. Man, I missed that and some biscuits and gravy. Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> glad you could join us from another time zone. Where, tell us where you are. I'm in Singapore right now. So it's uh, it's early morning, 9 a.m. You got your tea. I got my coffee. Uh, so <clears throat> now how do I change this uh, damn background? And so you work at a tech company. <laughs> oh, you're stuck in show, right? <laughs> no, I know, man. I, I told you, I don't use this. Uh, I don't use this uh, virtual background. I don't use this app, man. So, um, let me see. What's a good background? What do you guys think? What should I set up? You could go onto your website and pull up my uh, NFT I just listed. It's a picture of pasta. Okay, well, I'm not going to do a picture of Fox, but, All right. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, I'll just pull off a image off the site real quick. Um, sorry, guys, a little, I'm unprepared, I guess. I, uh, no worries. It's early for you. Yeah, it's early. I've already got my cup of coffee, so I'm good there. All right. Now that's <laughs> a background. I like that one. This looks I like Singapore. I gave up, man. It's, this background looks like shit, regardless. So no, it's you know, cool whatever. that you're in Singapore and joining us, and we're 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 really glad to have you. So, um, yeah. we're probably it's actually pretty lucky to be able to get the founder of a NFT company when NFTs are blowing up to get on here and explain it to us, especially because it, you know we're musicians and podcasters and make basically digital assets for a career so you know just the whole time this thing's been an incoming technology it's been very fascinating to us and now that there's got some mainstream attention to it we're you know we're all ears we got lots to learn cool man well i mean yeah i'm happy to be here i'm happy to kind of share share my knowledge um yeah it's uh it's an exciting space and is exciting time for you know said space so it's it's awesome um, yeah, I guess you, uh, you want to like, you want to dive into it? You want to get started? Uh, or is there, you want to give me a quick rundown of what you want to go over? Well, we'll just, ju- we'll just jump in and ha- I mean, we're real loose and hang out just like this. I mean, we're rolling yeah, we just, now if you're comfortable. I, I, well, here, here's the thing that uh, when I reached out to you was just that, uh, I, I saw the, the mentable app and I was like, Oh, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was like, Oh, well maybe I could get somebody to come and explain these damn nfts to us because i've never heard of anything uh, nft in my life until about a month ago and now i only hear about nfts like it skyrocketed into culture right now like right now everybody's going oh this thing and it could be something and and it probably to me it feels like it kind of coincides too maybe with like the resurgence of like baseball cards and stuff that that really started hitting now i think people are seeing the digital side of that but I mean, we can, we can start with how how in the hell did you get into it? You couldn't have just started in the last month. Yeah, you said everything <laughs> right. started, all the companies started about two months ago. And you found out about now. NFTs two months yeah. ago, and now you have an app that you created, right? 
No, um, no, it's kind of uh, it's the opposite. So I found NFTs when they came out. Uh, before they actually came out, there's a few kind of experiments with this non-fungible type of asset on the blockchain. Uh, and I've, you know, played around with those uh, and kind of saw it from the very beginning and got involved at the very, very, very start of it. Um, so I guess if we go back before NFTs, though, I found Bitcoin in like 2012, 2013. Um, and, you know, I kind of dabbled with it then, didn't know what it was, didn't know what I was doing with it, of course, like everyone in this knew. Um, but as time went on, you know, I joined the military and I kind of, you know, I was focused on the military. I wasn't too heavy into crypto. But as I started to, you know, towards the end of my military career, I basically, you know, started diving back into crypto. And when I got out of the military, I decided, okay, you know what? This crypto stuff's really interesting. It's been a few years now. Let me kind of figure out more about it. Um, in 2015, I pretty much went full-time into crypto. I found Ethereum. Um, and like in 2016, I converted all my Bitcoin over to Ethereum. Um, and I became a smart contract developer on Ethereum in 2016. And from 2016 forward, that's all I did, right? It was just crypto, full-time crypto. What does that mean oh. exactly? What, what what does it mean to be full-time crypto? You're doing programming or coding on that? On, and no, man, it means, it means like Lambos and beaches and rockets. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I just play it. I'm playing. It's a lot of coding. Yeah. It's coding and working, you know, on projects and, uh, you know, doing software development, consulting, um, managing projects, um, things like that. Just, you know, actual, just normal work. Uh, just in an industry, right? It's no different than if I was full-time in the medical industry or in the tech industry or whatever, right? So um, I was doing that, worked on projects here and there, did, uh, you know, a ton of different smart contracts for different companies. Um, and then around 2017 is when NFTs really kind of started taking off. Um, let me... In Singapore, there's a lot of construction. It's a tiny country, so there's construction everywhere. So let me Building close that window. Sure. Still. You're in Singapore, they're, they're building 360 around you at all times. It's so small. The problem is, is there's just skyscrapers everywhere. They're like, <laughs> hey, you know what? Today's a good day to put in a basement on this skyscraper. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. So anyway, so um, 20... Uh, Late 2016, 2017 is when the whole idea of kind of non-fungibility came around. 2017, really, uh, it took off. You know, CryptoPunks came out, which was like, you know, it's, you know it's, they're so valuable right now because they were kind of the first de facto NFT. They weren't really the first, but they were the first popular one. I saw CryptoPunks when it came out. I didn't get any uh, because obviously at the time, no one thought, you know, that they were going to turn into what they are now. Um but when CryptoKitties came out, which was the first big game on Ethereum um, and the first kind of real popular use case of NFTs, that's when I saw the potential of NFTs and I got sold and kind of fell in love. So after CryptoKitties, I went full-time NFTs. Uh, and wait, but, which, but real quick, so CryptoKitties is just a game you play, but you play, you use NFTs on it? It's just... So CryptoKitties was, it's, a game. It's not really a game. Um, 
what it is is where you have a cat and the cat is an NFT and then you can breed your cat with other cats to get like different combinations of you know cats. Does it have pink fur? Does it have green fur? Does it have googly eyes? Whatever. Um, and that was it. That was the game, right? But people will buy and trade these because some of them are rare. Some of them are common. Um, and so when that came out, it kind of like shut down the Ethereum network because it was so popular. I think they had like 70,000 people like in their first week playing it. Uh, and that, you know, Ethereum just was like, I can't handle this. The network just got really slow. The fees got really high. A lot of people, if you go look at like the news from the time, you know, report that, you know, CryptoKitties clogged down the network, shut down the Ethereum network. It was the first big like success in terms of adapt on Ethereum. And it was so successful that it just, you know, made everything else unusable. Um, but it was NFTs, right? They are the ones that created NFTs in the sense of what you see and interact with today. Um, and, you know, I mentioned the word NFT probably, you know, 20 times already. So it'd be a great <laughs> drinking game. But uh, <clears throat> we should probably explain what an NFT is for the people that don't know. They, you know, they've heard about it on the news recently, but they don't really understand what it is. And so for that, it's quite simple to explain. An NFT, it, first it's an acronym. It stands for non-fungible token. And what that really means is it's just an item on the blockchain. So it's a digital item, whether it's a baseball card or a deed to your house or a image of a cat or some artwork. It is that item that has been put on the blockchain and verified on the blockchain as a asset that can be traded back and forth. So you can take this recording of this podcast, put it on as an NFT on the blockchain, and then people can buy that, trade it. Um, it's verifiable. So there's only one of them, or maybe there's 50 of them, however many you make, but you can track it. You know exactly where it came from, who has it, who transferred it, when all that happened. Um, so there's a ton of different benefits by having this digital item opposed to just having the, the file itself. If you just have the file of this recording, you don't know who has it. You don't know how many times it's been transferred. You don't know when it was created, right? Um, so it's got a provenance record that is really important for NFTs. Um, so right now the hype is all around having artwork or music or videos as an NFT. You buy them if they're collectible, maybe it's from someone famous, you know, you're going to get the only NFT they've ever made. And, you know, you can resell that um, to someone else or you can hold on to it, display it. Um, so it's, 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 it's a new movement of kind of digital communities where you can build out a way to incentivize and have economic models within your content and your community, uh, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what an NFT is. But then we go back to uh, what I was saying about 2017 CryptoKitties came out. At that point, I fell in love with NFTs and I said, okay, that's all I'm going to do. I don't know if I actually made a conscious decision, but I just really like them. And so since then, that's all I've done was just work with NFTs on NFT related projects. I have a paper published with the IEEE, which is a really prestigious publication um, using you know 721s or NFTs on uh, food traceability, supply chains. Then I made Mintable in 2018 and kind of went through the different versions of Mintable, Alpha, Beta, you know, the full launch that's out now. And that's kind of how I got started with NFTs. Well, it is. Yeah, it is how I got started with NFTs. 
So I heard somebody say the other day that NFTs were property rights for the digital world. Was a, It was a tweet, and I thought that's a pretty simple way to put it. It's like if it's on the blockchain, it's it's just it's an item that can have its own rights or validation so it can be treated. I mean, it could be worth zero, it could be worth a cent, but it can have a value, and it's like you know, given rights to digital objects or something like that. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. That's a good way to put it. But legally, that doesn't really stand up. If I make some artwork <clears throat> and I sell an NFT to it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have the rights to my artwork or the copyright for my artwork. It just means that you own, you have the ownership of that digital item. So it's a, it's a tangible, it's a digitally tangible item. Meaning, you know, normally digital items are not tangible. If I have a file, it's not tangible. Uh, I can put it on a USB stick, but that's not really tangible. But with NFTs, it is tangible because it's an asset that you can see in your wallet and you can verify that, hey, I'm the only person in the world that owns this. And so with like the Beeple NFT that sold in auction on Christie's, it went for like $70 million, like $69 million. But uh, the reason it went for so high is because there's only one of them and that person owns it. They have it. They, they can say that I bought this. I'm the only person in the world that has it. This, this, you know, the artist himself is you know, well-known, famous. It's great artwork. It took 13 years to make. Um, so it's obviously got some value to it. And now that he's got that only asset of it, he's essentially got the Mona Lisa, right? He's got that one copy of it and that's it. And if he wants to sell it you know, next week, he might get $100 million for it, right? And this is why a lot of people are interested in NFTs. There's two sides to NFTs. There's the creating and there's the selling. The creating aspect, you know, <clears throat> if you're uh, a broke college student and you're, you know, getting an art degree, maybe you've got some amazing art, selling your art as an NFT is a great way for you to earn some money. It's that simple, right? If someone values it, if you have a community, you can make a lot of serious money. The other side is the collector or the buyer or the reseller. They look at something and they go, hey, this guy's got 100,000 followers on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok or whatever. And he made his very first NFT. It's beautiful art. You know, he's a great artist. I'm going to buy this now. And I bet you in six months to a year when this guy has cranked out all these other NFTs and they're going for $100,000 a piece, Buy an NFT that I just bought for 500 bucks, I'll be able to resell for 10,000, 20,000, 50,000. And so that's the play for non creators is they see it as a, a way to flip items. It's like those people that go to uh, yard sales. Mm-hmm. They go to yard sales, they look for something that's completely undervalued, and then they go sell it on eBay. It's the same thing, except purely digital. Uh, and, you know, instantaneous. And so you got these really niche uh, specialists in areas that follow certain art or artists and think something's going to be of value and just and be uh, speculate speculating in that in that way. Just like there's art speculators, like you go into a gallery in Brooklyn and people buy it, and then re- you know it's just that that whole game art. So it's the same. Is it the same people that now are going that that do that art stuff like you would see in in a Paris? But now they do it online, or is it totally different? I mean, obviously it opens up much wider, but are is the art community going to start behaving that way with it? Um, well, that's two questions. Yes, are they going to start doing that in the future, and are they doing that right now? Is that who's doing it right now? 
the people doing it right now are not, in my opinion, the traditional art community, art speculators, uh, because you need crypto. So you need to have Ethereum. You need to have, you know, um, already assets in your wallet. And for the people that are traditional art collectors, you know, in New York and Paris and stuff, most of them probably are not, you know, crypto users. So I would say that 99% of the people buying art is people that have made a lot of money with crypto or people that use crypto and they are ready to, you know, take the next step. So for example, there's two, there's two types here for people's drop that sold for 69 million in Chrissy's. The person who bought that is one of the largest NFT collectors in the world. Well, he is now by, you know, by definition. Um, so, and he's here in Singapore actually. Uh, but he bought that. He's a large, you know, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars in crypto. Uh, so obviously, you know, He's a rich crypto well. On the other end, you have people that are brand new. Maybe they've got 500 bucks in crypto, but they're, you know, they're not Wall Street traders. So they can't go trade coins like a stock market, but they can do this because this is easy to grasp. They can see value in it. Um, and so there's a lot of stories of people who started with like $600 and now they have like multiple millions from trading NFTs. Just from just and, trading up and being smart about it. Yeah, they just buy NFTs that are, you know, underpriced or that they 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 think are going to go up in price or, uh, you know, for example, like Pac. So Pac's an artist. He did a drop on Mintable. He's done a lot of other drops around, you know, on a different marketplaces. Very well known. He's one of the top artists in the space. He just got to deal with Sotheby's. So Sotheby's and Pac are going to be working together doing a thing kind of like people's drop. Okay, can I stop because- you there? So when you said, the, you said, I forgot the name of the other one, but the other Sotheby's there. But these are like... Uh, they're distributors or is they're like the boxing promoters of the NFT world. Like you, you get the name brand on it and or, then that, or, an house in, or something gallery. Yeah. It's like you're in with the, if it's coming from Christie's or whatever it is like, Oh yeah. And then it's like, brings all this gravity to the auction all of a sudden. Christie's and Sotheby's are auction houses for, you know, fine items. So if you're going to sell a Picasso or a Mona Lisa or an ancient Roman helmet, it's going to be at one of those two places, right? It's where you sell multi-million dollar items to extremely rich people. Um, and, you know, that's, they're just the most prestigious uh, in the world, right? Those two. Um, so because Pac, a crypto artist, just announced with Sotheby's that they're going to do a drop, all of his NFTs have immediately skyrocketed. Everyone's wow. buying them up. Everyone's trying to buy them because they know in a month or two months when the Sotheby's auction comes out and it goes for $20 million, those items are going to be inherently a lot more valuable than what they are now. Right? So people are buying them for like $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 for the NFTs now. And they know <laughs> in two months they're going to sell for $100,000. Right? And so it's a very easy... Everyone can understand that. My mom can understand that. She can say, oh, okay, you're buying something, you're going to resell. But if I told my mom, hey, mom, I'm going to invest 5% of my portfolio into Bitcoin. I'm going to set my stop loss here. And then once we see, you know, we hit the M&A on whatever, I'm going to sell it. She's, she's lost. She's not a trader. She can't do that. The normal person can't trade mm-hmm. normal assets on crypto, like, you know, coins and like, you know, stock market assets, essentially. They're not stock market traders. They're not used to it. They don't understand it. Um, but normal people can trade items 
it's very easy to say, I'm going to buy this baseball card and resell it in five years. Right. That's it. Okay. This is real. That what you just said is really cluing it into why it's um, so rapid because it's also the craziest time ever where people are even getting into the hard investments and stuff. I mean, there's, there's like my sis, my wife's cousin's women's group is doing stock talking about stocks now. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is getting crazy that people are all into this financed stuff, but still there's a big barrier to, it, especially with crypto. And this gives you that cartoon that put a face on it. Like the thing that people need to, adopted in mass is and then you know to understand like it's a good entry point for them to then ask questions about crypto because it's you can you can really get a grip on it like that well also right. since it's it's scarce but you you own it like uh owning crypto to me like i you know you can see my i can see my wallet or whatever or my coinbase way but it's just like a number uh, an amount that i have mm-hmm. but this is an actual item in a in a sense that i have that it's in my wallet that I can pull out and look at if I wanted to, or like like a baseball card or something, right? Right. When you're at the bar and there's a cute girl next to you, you can show her your little digital item and then she'll laugh at you and walk away, right? Yeah. So it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if she knew that you had a $69 million NFT and you showed it to her, it would change you versus the guy sitting to her left. That's would something. she believe it though? Yeah. If she, she if she if she was aware enough to believe and believed you, yeah. What 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 was yeah, the thing that sold? Hey, for, what a weirdo! What sold for sixty nine million? What, what what was it again? I want to look it up and see what it did. What does it look like? Uh, well, yeah, look it up, man. You should. It's a it's a piece of you know modern art. It's historic. I think it's literally like one of the top um, the top largest sales for any living artist in the world. Um, like ever, so it's it's pretty uh it's a pretty big uh thing, um but yeah look it up uh it looks pretty cool it's oh yeah I mean, yeah I have seen this so it's all these little pictures right like or it looks like right. yeah yeah wow it was like five thousand pieces of art in one piece and he had to make I mean it's like if you had to write five thousand songs right that yeah. you'd want I mean you know I'd do it for sixty nine million but yeah still I I want I'd want <laughs> something for that. But was that guy already famous? Like, why did people care about this one? Um, you know, he got famous from crypto art. So okay. he, he's, you know, I I don't know his complete history, right? Obviously, I don't know the guy. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, and I don't want him to, like, email me after this and get all mad at me. But I'm pretty sure he wasn't very well known before he got into crypto art, like, a year ago. Um, and then he started doing different drops. And his jobs just started going for more and more. Uh, I think he had a following of like 100,000, I think, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and then he did his first drop and it broke these records. And so it broke all these records. And that's what started it all, right? Wow. He did the first like, it was like a $3 million drop. Um, and that was big. It got a lot of attention. And then his next drop was even bigger. Um, and so... You know, I don't really know how it escalated to being in, uh, you know, Christie's, but I mean, I'm glad it did. And it was only a matter of time until, you know, that, that happened. Uh, but yeah, it's, he's, he's loving his life right now. He's, he's a really good guy too. Like if you go watch any of his videos or any of the stuff he does, he's a real cool, good guy. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of democratizing in a way here to where it's like if there's good art and people are responding to it is i mean there's a little bit of the gatekeeper there like but, to being christie's and stuff but i mean it's if people st- you know 
But I mean, what, a who, real the guy that, chance for people to do this. Now the guy that, that bought it for sixty nine million thinks it's going to go to a hundred million or double. I mean, five hundred million. That's, that, that's a whole different category of buying, right? That's not something that, like, obviously, I don't have experience with. We don't have users on Mintable that are doing that. There's only one person in the world that's doing that. That's him, right? So you'd have to. I think he's got an interview with Christie's or CNBC that's coming out maybe today or yesterday. I haven't seen it yet. I'm kind of talking about his thesis behind buying it. Maybe it was an investment. Maybe he was just buying it because you know a lot of yeah. people buy art just you know not as an investment but as a store right. of value or to yeah. display in their mansion. So you know he. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's got a whole wall that's a TV in his house, and it's just a massive, you know, seventy-foot TV yeah. that he's going to put it on. <laughs> well, Who knows? Oh, okay, okay. Right? Also, yeah. then, so what's still throwing me? And this makes me feel old, which I am. But I mean, this is where I, I, I feel like I'm. I don't totally get yet because I can look at the exact same picture on my screen. The only difference is he paid sixty-nine million for his, right? And so that means yeah. it that. You're saying that that means it's like the Mona Lisa. Sure, there's tons of copies or something, but I, I can always look, but I won't own the real one. So that there's the value there. I I can I can turn on my tape recorder while I'm listening to the radio, so then obviously I don't need to ever buy a record. Right. Right. Or I can take a photo of the Mona Lisa when I go see it in Paris. So obviously it's got no value. And my, my photo, I can resell it for millions of dollars, right? No. <laughs> right. Right. And so the same thing. You can save that image from Christie's, and then uh, how are you going to sell that? How are you, yeah, how are you going to sell sure. that? You can't. You can't no, you sell can't. an image. You can sell a digital item on the blockchain. But because it's on the blockchain, if you go take that image and go make it into its own item and copy it, right, and try to, you know, it's a counterfeit, um, it's really easy to know that it's a counterfeit because we just look at it and we go, hey, this is two completely different assets. They've got like ID numbers. They've got an address. Um, it's like if I try to email you from, you know, uh, president of the United States at gmail.com. Right. You know that I'm not the president, right? right? right, right, right. So it's because that, that email address is obviously not, you know. Now, if it was president at whitehouse.com, <laughs> then that's a different you story, gotta right? Have so, so Trump probably has that email address now, though, right? Yeah, he has that Gmail. <laughs> <bought it. laughs> He email. definitely does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. at Gmail, yo. Yeah, <laughs> Gmail. Uh, and his password's probably MAGA1234. MAGA1234, yeah. But so that's a lot of people ask this question of like, why would I pay $10,000? Why would I pay a million dollars? The thing is, is if you buy it, you can resell it. You actually own it. If you just take a picture of it or screen grab it, you don't own anything. You can't do anything with that other than, you know, you just have the image. Yeah. But people really get a lot out of the uh, the fact that they own something that they know is worth $69 million makes them feel something that they right. like to feel also. I well, mean, there's think about, something think to about that. This. There's so many scenarios where the same argument applies and it's immediately just like squashed. So you can own the original Star Wars like movie reel. Right, the actual whatever film that it's filmed on, like eight millimeter or whatever the hell it's filmed on, you can own that, or you can take your camcorder to a movie theater and record it on screen, which is going to have more value, right? And if you record it on screen in your camcorder, 
do you really think that you're going to say, oh, well, why would I buy the original Star Wars? I have it. I, you know, I bootlegged it, you know. And we're, <coughs> excuse me. And we're not talking about the DVD either. We're talking about the original, right. you know, original film from the company itself. Um, another example. You can have the original LP of an album or a song that you're a huge fan of, or you can record it in your car on the radio. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, are you going to say that that LP has no longer got value because you recorded it in your car? Yeah. No, of course not. Uh, another example, go like Mona Lisa. You can have the original Mona Lisa with the frame and everything, or you can have a picture that you took on your cell phone of it. Which one, you know, is the Mona Lisa now worthless because you just took a photo of it, right? So it's the same thing for all these different assets. You know, original Michael Jordan card. It's, uh, you know, a very pristine, rare card. That's going to go for a lot of money. But guess what? I just took a picture of it and I printed it out of my printer. So obviously the card's now worthless, right? Why would I buy that card? Because I just printed it off my printer. Just because so, it's physical and digital doesn't really change it's not really that big of a leap to say something. Well, it's digital, so it can't have value special specialness. Like a sale of a of a cartoon that from South Park, the very first one, the very first one they wrote. That's where. But you could freeze that frame on your DVD. I mean, right. but but you but would, it, if you it had is a that leap, thing, though. It is a leap to think papers like aren't, aren't you? I think people are so used to the internet being free. In a sense, you know, I know you pay your 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 internet bill or your Wi-Fi bill or whatever, and you, but like you are used to this this thing digitally is always free in a sense. And then if you if you're going to spend money on it, it's on Amazon to get something from Amazon or something like that. So I do think it feels a little bit more of a leap that this is just as good as a card or something like that. Well, so the disconnect here is that you're assuming that what you're buying is the image, and you're like, why would I buy that? I could just save it, but you're not buying the image. You're buying the item on the blockchain, which is tied to the image. The image is complementary and what makes the item, you know, whatever it is. Saving the image doesn't matter. Just like saving, uh, if I take a picture of the code for Windows, Microsoft Windows, doesn't mean it's going to run on my computer. It's just a picture of the code. It doesn't actually run the code. Yeah. So you're getting an item on the blockchain that there's only one of. Or maybe there's a few other ones, right? Like maybe they made five. Uh, but there's a verifiable amount that only one person can have access to at any time. Um, and which happens to include an image or a video right. or music or whatever. So you're not buying that file, that image or whatever. You're getting the item itself, which now you can resell. Now you can say, I own this. Now you can use it and build out other things that interact with it. Like say, you know what? We're going to make a a fan club. If anyone owns any of my pieces and it's in your wallet, you can now go on my website and chat directly with me or whatever, right? But only for people that own that item. So you're going to be like, hey, I screen grabbed the image. Can I get in? And they're going to be like, yo, where's it at? It's on your wallet. You just have the image. No, you you didn't buy anything. You don't have the item. Right. So for creators, it's a whole new cycle of – engagement so it's like a continuous engagement stream where you can say you supported me i can verify you supported me here's x y and z here's benefits whatever uh and you can't do that with 
for example, Patreon. Say someone's supporting the streamers or supporting you know this podcast via Patreon and they've donated. How are you going to build a system out to give them private access or to give them rewards in the future? Unless Patreon offers that, you can't. But with blockchain and digital items, you can very easily. It's global. You know, everyone's got access to this information and can plug and play into it. So there's all these new ways for creators to build out a community and an ecosystem around their content. But then for the people themselves that are spending the money, there's ways for them to make money on this. So they're not just buying, right. you know, a Star Wars mug that they're never going to be able to sell and they'll end up putting in a yard sale 50 years from now. But instead, they're buying something that they can immediately turn around and list for sale on a global marketplace that anyone can buy. And some Star Wars fan from China might say, hey, I want that. And they buy it, right? And so now you bought something, you resold it a few days later, and you just turned a profit. So this is where the value is. And this is why it doesn't matter if you screen grab it. You still can't sell it and you still don't own it. So how so it's used in the sense of like a token when it's like to a password to get into the clubhouse, you're saying. So anybody that has one of these in this wallet, say we print 100 for our best 100 fans and they have a digital way to demonstrate they're always on the guest list at every show we ever play. That's, right. that's an item exactly. you can sell. They own that item. Now, it has a digital representation and it looks like a token. It has Toby's head on it. But that's not the important part. The important part is they own that access that they've bought that is verified in the permanent ledger of the blockchain so it's really the blockchain itself where the value is it's 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 the fact i think that's what people are having a hard time with is they still aren't understanding for the same reason they don't about financial markets that the um the blockchain itself is a do you think of as a place how do you describe the, the actual blockchain like it's a ever-present secure what's your language that you use there that's uh i'm trying to think of a good uh good analogy for that, that everyone it's knows. like uh you know you know like a long chain like a, with like you know you know how obi-wan described the force to anakin for yeah. the first time no, i'm just like uh so the blockchain is a group of networks is global and all the computers, uh, a group of computers that is global that makes a network. And all those computers are talking to each other. Uh, and everyone can have access to that. So you and someone else in China can see the exact same information and data at the same amount of, you know, uh, they, at the same time. You can see the same amount of, you know, information as everyone else can. And you can interact with that, you know, together at either the same time, different times, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. There's no central authority that can stop you. So, you know, uh, if you want to buy something on the stock market, there's a central authority that's going to stop you. Um, and maybe if you're a accredited investor, you go through all the loops, you can start buying stocks on the stock market, right? But if someone in Nigeria wants to buy stuff on the stock market, in the American stock market, they can't. They're not going to get access to it, right? right. It's just, you know, they're, they're not in... America, they don't have access to that. It's very complicated. Um, same for someone in like, you know, Kazakhstan or whatever. They're not going to be able to get access to that. But with blockchain, because it's global and open, you, a guy in Nigeria, a guy in Kazakhstan, you can all trade the same information, the same assets at the same time. Um, and there's no one that says you can't do it. There's no 
regulatory body that says, oh, first you got to give us your, your passport and your driver's license and all this KYC info. There's nothing that says all that. Um, and so it's this open network that exists uh, globally. Then, of course, the information is stored in a manner so that it is always there and it can never be changed. So what, what is here is locked in place. And the next version of this is new information. Once that's processed, it's locked in place. So you can look at the entire history of the blockchain and you can see the very first transaction, the exact amount, and that's never going to change. That's always going to be there and never will go away. So you have a permanent history that anyone in the world can access, which is very powerful because now you can use it to verify things like, hey, I bought this X, you know, X amount of days ago. I was the first person to do this or whatever. Or in terms of NFTs, in a court of law, you can say, hey, I bought this NFT two years ago and it came with the copyrights. So therefore, I am entitled to use this on my website. And this guy is suing me and it's bogus, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a permanent record of something that, but let's put it this way. Is there anything in the world that's a permanent record that's public and verifiable uh, globally? No, no, it's a man. new, a hu right. it's a new accomplishment of humanity to really, I mean, to be able to have a high trust with everybody on the globe that participates in one thing at an instant, you've created a high trust environment where, yeah, the person's in Zimbabwe, but it's, uh, I can trust him fully because it's unalterable. And so we can make a deal with no worries all the time. And that, right. cha that changes the, the whole world and, you know, all the people that, you know, it enables right. a ton of people that could have never had access to stuff to have it. And then there you go. I mean, lots is possible from there. Right, right. And then being able to verify it is really cool because I've always thought that myself, like with a, a baseball card with an autograph. How do you, you know, you have to go through all these bunch of different steps to really verify that that was the real, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. signature or something like that. With this, you're saying it is there no matter what. So you you can you it, no longer do you have to worry it, it is verified as soon as it's on the blockchain chain forever you're saying kind yeah. of so I mean if you if you go make if you copy and paste the the people image that you were just looking at and you go make it on the blockchain it's not verified right no one's verified that you're people because you're not right right but if people were to do it and then he verifies hey guys this is my stuff. Boom, now that's there, that's in the public domain. Everyone knows people made this and it's found exactly here. There's this many. These are the people that own it, right? And here's how you can trade it and stuff like that. To give you an example. And that's what it means to, sorry to interject, but that's what it means to mint something, right? Like the inmintable, you're, you're saying you're that, that process of that person claiming it and putting it in a place and saying what it is. That's, is that what it means to mint something? Um, mint is the same sense of when you mint a coin, like the Federal Reserve will mint a coin. It creates a new coin, right? So, or it creates a dollar bill or whatever it's making. That's what it means when you mint is you're creating an item on the blockchain. So if you want to put this podcast as an NFT, you will go to Mintable. You would put in the information for it, the title, your description to upload the podcast. Um, and then you would mint it, which is to create it on the blockchain. And you have to have your wallet connected so we know, you know, who owns it. And then it's created. It's given to your wallet. You own that asset and you can do with it whatever you want. You want to sell it. You want to trade it. Um, you want to give it away. You want to hold it forever. You can do with it whatever you want. 
Uh, and for the authentication and verification part, an example is today we're announcing, by the time this probably goes out, it'll already be public knowledge, but today we're announcing a really cool, never before done um, thing in NFT history. We partnered with the family of an artist who died in the Holocaust, born in like 1888. He's got uh, paintings and sculptures in like nine permanent installations in museums around the world. So one of them is in like the Museum of Modern Arts. He's, uh, he had exhibits with Picasso in person, like in the 1920s and stuff. Uh, he had a, a painting sell for $5.3 million uh, in auction at Christie's. And, you know, he's obviously over 100 years old at this point. I mean, he's dead, but, uh, you know, it's been over 100 years since he was making different things. For the first time, we are making NFTs from a 100-year-old, extremely prestigious and reputable artist into, you know, we're mixing the old and the new, right? So we're making an old painting as a digital NFT, and there's only going to be one of them, right? And this is huge because it means when people are buying these, they have an official, you know, his name is Vladimir Baranov Rosine. And he's a Russian avant-garde painter. Um, and they're going to own an official, you know, Baranoff painting. And it's the only one, right? And it's digital. But that's that's one historic avenue. The second historic avenue that we're doing, and the main one, is the main auction is going to be for a one-of-one one NFT. But it comes with the actual original 96 year old painting mailed to you anywhere in the world so you're going to get a 96 year old year old painting from a extremely famous and well-known painter that you can hang on your wall and you get the nft so the guy who bought people's painting for 70 million dollars he can't really hang that on his wall he might put it on the tv but if he were to buy this nft he is going to be able to actually display that in his house right and that's huge that the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about authentication and verification. So that NFT that comes with that painting is the verification of ownership now. Yeah. So before and during this drop, obviously, we've had to work with experts and verify the authenticity of the painting, verify the provenance and the record of when it was created, who it was transferred to, where has it been, you know, all this information, right? This is what normal Sotheby's and Christie's does for real paintings. Uh, and it's complex, it's expensive. But now, because we have an NFT attached to it, it's been verified. In the future, when they want to sell it, the buyer wants to sell it, they just show the NFT. And they just say, look, here's the NFT. Go verify it on the blockchain. This is the NFT for that painting. And there's there's no more needed. There's Can no he sell it separately now, though? <laughs> Can he sell the, turn around and sell the painting itself and, and retain the NFT? They could just like, you know, you can sell the certificate of authenticity for a rare baseball card, but not sell the baseball card itself, which would be yeah. weird. Right. Um, mm. And probably no one would buy that. So if, you know, you go to sell that, yeah. someone probably gonna be like, hey, wait, 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 where's so, the painting? Right. But they have the painting. So really, this is a really interesting case because if you sold the painting part that you could hang on the wall, the person would go, yeah, but the thing that really sold for, you know, eight million dollars is that thing on the blockchain. That's what I want. And they go, yeah, but no, no here's the painting. He goes, yeah, I know, but 
No, so they, they, they're essentially a package at this point. So mm. if, if we did it purely digital, then yes, that would be what's valuable is the digital NFT. But because they're together, obviously one, it's going to go for a lot more. Maybe it would go for a million dollars if it was just digital. But because it comes with the actual authentic original painting from the artist, right? That's like a you know 96 years old, it's gonna go for a lot more. So maybe it goes for five million, maybe it goes for 10 million, whatever it goes for, right? That is an increase in value over just the pure NFT and maybe just the pure image or the painting itself. So therefore, when you go to sell in the future, whoever is spending the millions of dollars to buy this in the future, they obviously should do their research and they they would if they you know they will and they're gonna say, okay. They were sold as a package. I'm only buying the NFT itself. What's going on here? They would contact the person and be like, hey, where's the painting at? And he goes, oh, the painting's not for sale. It's just the certificate of authenticity that's for sale. And the guy would be like, well, right. why would I want to buy that? Mm-hmm. Right? I want to buy the painting. Or if there's some big art collector who's in the guy's house later, you know, a few years, he's like, hey, I'm going to buy that painting. What's the, is every art collector when they buy a painting, they ask for the record, the authenticity, the provenance. He's like, well, you know, I bought it on this auction that came with the NFT, which is acting as a certificate of authenticity. It's global on the blockchain. He's like, oh, okay, where's that at? That's included in this sell, right? So no matter what happens in the future after the sell, the two are going to probably remain together. It wouldn't make sense to separate them. And whoever buys them separated, it doesn't make sense to buy them, right? It doesn't make sense to sell them separated. It doesn't make sense to buy them separated. So that seems like you could pivot from there and jump right over to our industry music. And that makes me think that all, when we do, when we print a vinyl, we do, we get a few test presses where before it actually prints them out, we get these ones that are just to make sure they're right. And they send them and you say, is this right before we go into production? And those wind up being worth a lot. It seems like you could issue them like, and, and make that an NFT would be a yeah. good application for that in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of different things that NFTs can be applied to. Music is a really great category and industry to disrupt with NFTs from the royalty system to the way you can engage your fans. For example, you sell a song on iTunes. The guy buys it. That's it. You don't don't know who that person is. You don't ever be able to get engaged with that person again. You can't get more money from that person as a customer like you would in another industry or business. But If you use NFTs to sell your song, you can tell this person, one, hey, you can redeem that NFT later for a signed T-shirt. Or you can say, hey, you bought the collectible version that I sold for $100 instead of 99 cents. And because you bought that, I'm going to give you access to any of my concerts for a year. It's a free ticket, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Oh, you bought the really rare one? I'm going to give you the VIP access ticket, right? And so this way you get that continuous engagement of this follower, this fan, this customer, uh, which you wouldn't be able to do before. So there's a ton of ways that NFTs apply and disrupt traditional industries and economies. Would it be that every collectible should just have a digital, I mean, shouldn't every collectible have an NFT version? That sounds then? like it. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I think the future is moving to, right? That's why I built Mintable. That's why I, I kind of fell in love with NFTs is there's a lot of, power and potential for this new kind of technology let me let me spoot spat, spat idea right while i'm sitting here i'm looking at my music recording equipment if i make an album and i'm doing my guitar work the guitar delay pedals that i'm using to make this album i can issue them 
why would I ever keep them? Why wouldn't I sell them every time as an NFT? This was the equipment that was, it would be worth more to sell as an NFT as the part of the production of, of the, the album, album somebody yeah, could own. specific album. Because the, the pedal costs $200, but, well, the one that he used on the record, I pay $300 for that NFT, and then right. maybe it goes up over time. You could, but if it's a physical item like the pedal, the NFT... What is the NFT? Is it just a certificate that this pedal was used in the recording? Yeah. Uh, because if so, then you should probably mail them the pedal as well, right? And so that they get the actual physical item. That's what and I'm what saying. They can have the pedal. Yeah. Like, I would include the pedal, like to, to certify it as a collectible of value in a way then. I'm sure that you have people lining up outside your door to get all your used <laughs> pedals. <It's- laughs> uh, Kings, of Leon, Kings of Leon has generated over $2 million of NFT They have? Sales. Of just their right. record? Yes. It's just... But what, just, what, what they, they have different items. They have like a golden ticket item, yeah. you know, six golden ticket auctions, and and they're they have album stuff. Are they flat fee or auction? Uh, the golden tickets were an auction, so that guaranteed the owner four front row seats to one show of every Kings of Leon headline tour for life. Mm-hmm. Wow. So See, that's, that's that continuous engagement, right? Now that person's going to yeah. be engaged with Kings of Leon forever, um, or they can resell that to other people. So. This is, you know, this is where we talk about there's a ton of potential for NFTs that could be applied in so many unique and creative ways. Uh, we still haven't even discovered all the ways that you can apply NFTs. Some really creative person is going to come out there, blow our minds with some really unique way of using NFTs, and then everyone's going to be doing it, right? Yeah. So Let me ask another one. What about the actual separate tracks from the recording where to- you get Toby's solo vocal all the way through as a digital file? And we release the song, it's all mixed with all the instruments, but the solo the vocal take, the raw yeah. file, you have it as an NFT. Yeah, you can do that. We actually, we have Illmind, which is a Grammy award-winning producer who did something very similar to that. He released like his first instrumental beat that he ever made. He released a melody pack. He released uh, collectible instrumental cards. So each card has an instrumental beat that he made that's never been heard before. And the buyer, you know, obviously gets the card, the collectible and the gets to you know have the track and be the only person that's ever heard that track. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a ton of different things that you can do. You can you can do every piece of the song. You can do the song in whole. You can do collectible items for the song. You know you can do your T-shirt that you wore when you recorded the song. Right. It's right. it's the same thing. Like you can you can put all that on eBay. So anything that you can sell on eBay as a collectible, you can really do as an NFT. But the NFT allows for a lot more attention. And then the NFT, uh, because now, now digital's in play. Like I can put my guitar strings, like a broken symbol from the recording, and $50, sure. I mean, we can do that now. But the fact that you can blur that into digital, and it's like right. the original demo for the song, the day I created it, a single file, this person can have that. But, but also, the, the like Kings Leon probably still put their music out. So the, those people, when they get the NFT, yeah. it's like getting a vinyl in a sense, a digital vinyl asset in a way, right? I mean, they 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 must have only made so many Kings of Leon NFTs, but you could you could probably still and they're they're burning they the ones that don't sell. Yeah, there there is a deadline, so any that don't sell by a but deadline, I mean you could they but you could still buy the CD of the album probably too, right? Can't you do both? Yeah, right. yeah, they're yeah. not the 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 music isn't scarce itself. The the sounds that they've created for this album, everybody can get on Spotify or whatever. Sure. Too. So right. it's not that it, part of it. Yeah, they're making a collectible around their, um, you know, around their album. I see. Mm-hmm. 
So we do custom songs where we write people will pay us and we write songs just for them about them and their family or whatever they want them to be about and we don't release yeah. them we send them to them. There's no reason those shouldn't be NFT. NFT is the perfect usage for that. Like it's a one-off song written for somebody and that's how they could have it instead of the whatever process right. where they pay Palace some cash. That, that, that would be an excellent way to transfer. And that's one of the, actually one of the things that we'll be expanding into later down the year is kind of services like that, where you can offer that service and then use NFTs to do that. But right now you can do that on Mintable. You go to Mintable, you upload the song, you put the price that you're going to charge them and then you send them the link. They pay with crypto. You get it immediately. They get the song immediately. They, they can download it, access it, but they're also the only one that can download and access it. And they also have the verifiable proof that you delivered it. You can include the copyright, which is verifiable on the blockchain forever, right? So you have all these benefits of using NFTs opposed to just sending them, you know, a Dropbox. Right. Mm -hmm. So is yeah. that even then close? Like, think about the digital experiences people make when they buy, when, you know, the service Cameo, you get a celebrity, Kevin from the office will show, will say something to right. you or show up at your Zoom meeting yeah. or whatever. Mark it, Cuban already did that. So Mark Cuban already offered, he made like, I think five NFTs and whoever bought the NFTs at the highest price would get like, I think a 30 second or one minute clip from him, whatever, yeah. whatever they wanted. I think someone wasted it by having him sing some song or something. Which is, you know, whatever. That's what they okay. wanted. But uh, yeah, and so you can do cameos. There's a ton of different ways that NFTs can, literally everything, man. So, literally everything. There's just so many ways that NFTs can disrupt and be applied to different unique ways. And any content creator, anyone who creates any content can benefit from NFTs in a new way that they can't benefit right now with their content. It'll be all about the storytelling and the creation of value is part of this whole thing. Like, the reason the original Batman costume is worth a lot is, is is obvious. It's the, yeah. the the story. The story. What it really is has to. You have to create that first. You have to before it can really be worth something. Because all the all the artists I know, you know, come from. There's this whole thing where everybody wants to be an artist. So everybody would be just. You feel like was well, everybody just going to sell a thousand billion NFTs and get on my nerves and just it's like ask you know that you feel like that's what. Uh, people are worried about is why they're just going to be littered with NFT. Everybody NFT all this all the time is getting on my nerves or something like that. And everybody's trying to sell, you know, it seems like people would just try to get, try to make money by claiming they have some, but they don't have a story or value or any fans. So it won't work. What? Like it won't be worth anything. It'll be worth 50 right. cents or something. With the, with the NFT, like if you did a cameo like that, say if you paid a celebrity, like you're like, hey, Brad Pitt, I'm going to give you $10 million. Just do one minute of anything you want to talk about. Okay. He, he, we do it. We go through the transaction, everything. I have it. How I, I can still pull that up and show the world if I wanted to. I could use, I could send that in some form to, if I wanted to send it to a news network and go, look, this is, you know, I got Brad Pitt to do this for $10 million or something. If I wanted to, you know, make my, get my 15 minutes of fame from spending a bunch of money on a Brad Pitt clip. How do I show the world or do I? Or yeah, you can do with it whatever you want, right? You gotta unless you have some contract or something. Right. There's something legally binding with any NFT, right? So he couldn't no, say you can't use his likeness. Like you could put it in your movie, a scene of Brad Pitt, if you paid for him or whatever right. it was, unless he Yeah, I mean if if you're talking about Brad Pitt and there's some contract you guys signed, then you obviously would have to do whatever's in that right. contract. But mm -hmm. if, if Say you the NFT, there's nothing related to NFTs that stops you from sharing whatever the content of that NFT is. You know, the guy who bought people's NFT, he can 
he can print it out. He can, you know, put it on a billboard. He can, you know, do with it whatever he wants. Just like you can, right. you can download the image and print it out and put it on a billboard all you want. Uh, but obviously there's copyright laws that come into play with any original content. That's not unique to NFTs. That's just normal copyright laws that apply everywhere. Um, so you obviously have to abide by those normal things. There's nothing unique to NFTs uh, that's different from anywhere else in the world. So it's the same I saw, as... I saw yeah. on Mintable, sorry, uh, whenever I was listing my picture of my pasta, you could you could choose whether or not to transfer the copyright, Right. right? That's so, just part of the terms of each so one. So you could, so Matt and Toby could write a song and say, "Hey, we'll say the NFT, but you're not getting the copyright to this. You can't." Uh, and that's Kings of Leon. You, yeah, you retain something there. So how does that? Yeah, how does that work? I guess right. So it works just like with anything else. So if you want to give me the copyright to a song, you know, you just need to give me your permission to use it with whatever copyright terms that you're going to say. Oh, you can use it commercially, or you can't use it this way or that way. Right. Um, and then as long as I have a written record of that, you know, I have the copyright. And if anything happens in the future, I can show them that written record and, you know, they'll uphold in a court of law. So it's the same thing with NFTs is if you choose to transfer copyright, we put that record on the blockchain. So it's there. So people can see it and, then, you know, you're covered. So that's right? one of the great things about the smart contracts is a good way to like, we tell people all the time that they can use our song for something and they go, well, we still get hassled by YouTube or whatever. And I said, well, we said it's okay, but YouTube's not going to ask us or whatever. But this way, you have this legal proof that you're going around with that you do own a copyright because it can be written into the blockchain if you want it. Right, to. but they're still going to run into hassles with like YouTube, right? YouTube's going to be like, hey, do you have proof? And you're like, yeah, go look at that smart contract. Yeah, like, but legally, you at least, it is like, a, it's a, okay, well, it cuts out lawyers in a bunch of ways then, right? So. I don't know. I don't know if it cuts out lawyers, but it is evidence. It is evidence that's in it. You know, it's unchangeable on a rec. It's record mm -hmm. of you know proof of transfer and purchase, and uh, you know it's there for anyone to see. And it can never be changed. So that is, you know, something that definitely is probably better than just an email from you saying, "Hey, you can use our song." Right? Can you pay on Mintable and stuff with? dollars or do you have to be sp actively bidding and spending crypto like in, it's all in, in a crypto technical right way. now mm -hmm. later down the road we'll do dollars um but it's all in crypto you're buying a crypto item so you know you should probably have crypto if you're going to buy a crypto item <laughs> most of the people selling these items they don't want dollars because they believe in crypto or they want to earn crypto so if you're paying dollars and you give them dollars like, what do I do with this worthless paper, right? I want coin. <laughs> so your let's jump into that a little bit, though. So you and your community and that hundred million crypto air guy in Singapore that owns a bunch of stuff, you guys don't believe you do believe in crypto and you don't believe in dollars. I you don't want that's dollars. That's that's a stretch. You can't we can't make assumptions for everyone, right? Uh, everyone's got their own opinions and you know their own beliefs and stuff. Um, I think most people that are in crypto obviously see the value of it, right? When we were talking at the beginning about how blockchain is really revolutionary, um, that's, you know, that's what we see the value in. Uh, it allows for like financial freedom. It's, uh, it's kind of a hedge against the traditional system. There's a ton of reasons people buy or invest in crypto or own crypto. Um, so obviously we can't speak for everyone, uh, but you know, we're witnessing a transition where people are in your community are more wanting to hold crypto than their local currencies, though. Is it switching to where 
you don't want to get it and then change it in. You just, you, you know, you're you you're using crypto very actively all the time. Right. And that's not unique to Mintable. That's just crypto right. in general. Mm-hmm. There's a there's globally for the last, you know, multiple years, people have been doing this. Uh, you know, I found Bitcoin in 2013. And, you know, since then I've, you know, I've had crypto and I've always had money in crypto. And over the years, that's grown and grown and grown in terms of how much, you know, my own actual money that I put into crypto. Um, and, you know, I think that obviously it's got a bright future and it's not going to go away anytime soon. And so, you know, you're looking at a new commodity, a new asset class, crypto, which is not going to go away. Mm. And here in a few years, you know, it could be what you're using at stores instead of dollars, right? Or it could be the new kind of gold, uh, like just the digital version of gold. There's a ton of uh, upside. And and it's easier too. I mean, you can have a bunch of different cryptos and it's easier than having like uh, the yen or the euro or the dollar, all this stuff, right? Like you can just use any and the, and the blockchain will just figure it out immediately. What, what? Right. Yeah, there is that as well. Like it is, um, and it's also global. So I can send you, you know, I'm in Singapore, I'm in Asia. I can send you money right now. You're going to receive it instantly. There's no middleman. Right. There's no, you know, bank that we have to go through. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of benefit to crypto overall. That's why, you know, people, people want it. If they, if they just want to sell their image for dollars, why are they using a crypto site? Why don't they just go sell it on, you know, Adobe or, you know, some other platform where you can sell it for dollars. They don't care about that. They don't want dollars. Um, And, you know, it's a good way when we talk about onboarding, if you don't have any crypto right now, but you make content, whether it's videos or artwork or music or whatever, go to Mintable, sell your NFT, sell your content, you list it for sale for crypto and you will earn your very first crypto by selling that oh, cool. on Mintable. And like then that. now you're involved with crypto. Now you've got money in crypto that you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to invest your own money. You didn't have to take the risk there. Oh, you just wow. put your content up and now you can say, hey, okay, let me figure out how crypto works. Let me figure out how to get this to my bank. Right? Let me let me cash out and put this in my bank account now. And now you're being onboarded into crypto. You're learning skills and getting involved in a new economy. And this is really important because if you do this, like today, if you go, and I'm talking to the people watching this, if you go do this, you make your sell, you get your first crypto, you figure out how to put it into your bank account, which isn't hard, by the way, but it's just a few steps that you're, you need to research so that you understand. In like five years, when crypto is really popular, when crypto is you know, skyrocketed in price from what it's at now, you're going to look back to your very first interaction on Mintable and how you earned your very first crypto. And you're going to say, thank God that I got involved. Because if I didn't do it back then, I would have missed out on all the all stuff that, that's happened yeah, in between right. that period. So I'm that's huge because that means that the, the, for the first time ever, like coming from music, it used to be you this crazy bottleneck to get signed, to do the thing, to ever get a yep. chance to go in to record a record, to whatever. But now, of course, music's simpler to produce with something like a computer. But the barrier to entry to make art uh, has never been lower. And it's also the time when art, and music's been this is probably the least it ever will be worth uh, in the way that i see it um so you could have this uh you're gonna have the first generation of creators that literally start with zero create something of value for free earn their first you know that thing where you have your first dollar and you put it in your shop right you know your first thing you earned 
cost you nothing. You went to the public library, made a beat, made a song, created a story, sold the NFT for $5,000, and then you have crypto, and then you're investing, and then you've your path is clear. And there's going to be new creators who are born that never had any expenses and ha- are now millionaires who are like have careers and stories so with and with nothing and that could happen to a kid in the middle of asia or anywhere in the world is or india somewhere is just going to have computer access and then become a millionaire di- almost yeah. directly that's crazy that's, powerful. Yeah. that's crazy just be able to make it from scratch instead of being you know a drug dealer or this a hustler getting into the mob like there's going to be there's like for the whole world now has opportunity to in a legit way, create, make, earn. Well, that's what I've been thinking you know, about because I watch so much TikTok. I was thinking people are just going to NFT their TikToks because they'll they'll it'll hit the guy on the skateboard drinking the juice or whatever. I mean, if he NFTs that, then it is is immediately worth something. And you just he just created some funny little moment in time. And if that was an NF, NFT, it would have sold for sure um, for a lot. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is if we're talking about people in like third world countries or people that don't have a lot of money, uh, if you go on other platforms like our competitors, other marketplaces, in order to make your NFT, one, there's a lot of limits. You don't get to do, you know, do, you don't get to do you. You don't get to have as much creativity as you want. So you're limited to a lot of stuff. You're limited to like 50 megabytes of whatever you're uploading. It has to be a JPEG or a PNG. You can't do you know, uh, MP3 or whatever, right? Whatever, whatever limits they have, which is absurd, but there's an upfront cost. If you want to make one NFT on our competitors, it costs you 50 to $150 before you even make your NFT. And so that kills a ton of people from getting involved. Obviously just the people that don't have crypto are now shut out of the market. But when we released our gasless minting, which is completely free minting, you don't have to have any crypto. There's no upfront costs. Everything changed. We skyrocketed. We have a ton of people, like I mentioned, that don't have any crypto that want to get involved. And so now the amount of people that can get on Mintable compared to our competitors is completely different. We can have 8 billion people. All the people on the planet can get involved on Mintable. The people that can get involved in, you know, the other marketplaces is, you know, a few million, the people that have crypto, right? So there's a huge difference here. And this is obviously why Mintable's had such a big success. Uh, and it, we're growing like 20% a day. Wow. It's insane. Uh, you know, the it's just absolutely insane the amount of people that are coming on board. Um, and they're all new to the space. And they're all looking to make that first amount of, uh, you know, crypto. And so it's a huge upside, a huge potential uh, that you just don't find anywhere else. Like, we're literally the only place on the internet that you can make an NFT for free. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. What about the, uh, I mean, because as soon as something takes off as part of the social thing like this, um, the immune system kicks in easy and you get detractors and people saying what well hold on or it's all going to crash or how about the environmental concern one there's people that want to you know say that and i don't know how to assess it or anything at this time but how how do you deal with that one so i i care uh a lot about climate change and environmental impacts uh i'm very familiar with you know the state of our economy i mean our, our climate and the state of you know <clears throat> the world in that regards, like I've read the IPCC reports, uh, I've you know I've spent hundreds of hours of researching on climate change just because it's a personal thing that I care about, um, and the 
arguments against making NFTs because of the ecological impact is, you know, to be frank, it's just bullshit. Because I'll tell you why. Right now we're on Zoom, which is running on servers, which is using a computer that's on Wi-Fi that's connected to, a, a, you know, my, my plug and I'm, I'm charging it. This has a carbon footprint, right? And because it's got a carbon footprint, everything that we are doing is releasing emissions. Um, and so when you post your complaint about NFTs, you know, having emissions on Twitter, there's like, I think like 80 metric tons of CO2 is emitted from using Twitter every single day. So what are you doing, right? right. If, if you right. care about tech companies or technology having CO2 emissions, why are you using these, these, you know, why are you using email? Why are you using Instagram? Why are you using Twitter? No one discusses that, right? How many people have discussed the, the, the CO2 emissions of being on an hour long Zoom call? Right. Where, right. where is this discussion right. going on? Why is, <laughs> why are people looking at NFTs for that? The reason they're looking at NFTs for that is because like, that's the only negative thing that they can come up with. And the person who actually started this, but they made a website, uh, all their numbers were wrong. They like, when they released it, like a ton of people were like, Hey, none of these numbers are accurate. This they're, they're using statistics that are just inadequate. Uh, they're like, cool. they're making assumptions off of like transfers and they say, okay, the cost for one block on Ethereum is this. And we assume that there's this many transfers. Therefore, the cost of one transfer is this. But those assumptions are wrong. They've revised it multiple times and they're still inaccurate. So a lot of the, the, the claims are false. And then a lot of the claims just aren't in reality because, like, why aren't we talking about the cost to run the server? Not the, not the blockchain side of things, but the cost for us to, you know, host our server on the cloud, right? This is an important aspect because how many NFT platforms are there in the world? five to 10, how many websites are hosted on AWS in the world? I don't know, maybe 10 billion, right? Yeah. Or a billion. Why don't we talk about that? That's actually a huge impact in the economy. I mean, the, uh, the uh, ecosystem and the ecology of the planet opposed to the 10 NFT marketplaces and the one blockchain that we're, we're talking about, right? So this is where, you know, this is where I kind of get like heated about it because I'm like, Yo, that, that doesn't matter. Like this doesn't right. matter in the whole scope of the actual planet. There's so many more important things that you can spend your time and effort focusing on that actually has an impact in terms of climate change. Why are we not talking about, you know, the multinational conglomerates that are producing so much CO2 and pollution that changing those companies alone would have a substantial impact in the emission climb and the emission rate of our planet globally? Um, but no, hey, let's focus on this, you know, this blockchain that's empowering all these people right. to move out of poverty and have financial freedom and doing all these good things. Let's find the one negative thing that's really not based in reality. And let's do a lot mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, shouting on Instagram and social media about that because, uh, hey, why not? Right. So it, it really it really gets me heated uh, that people are even doing it because it's one, it's it's inaccurate Two, they're using they're they're emitting CO2 to argue this on social media and they're completely blind to the fact that what they're using for these claims is probably producing more pollution and more CO2 emissions than, you know, right. the actual argument that they're trying to argue about. Um, so I don't think it's a big issue, but that's my personal, all that was my personal preferences in my own rants. The thing is, is if you want to look at it, if we say that their arguments are valid, Mintable has 
no emissions to mint an NFT because we do it without a transaction. So we're the only place that does it without a transaction. So if you really want to look at this argument in whole and you look at all of our competitors and all the other places to make an NFT, Mintable is the only one that does it without a transaction. Therefore, we have the least emissions of everyone. Um, That's cool. And so if you care about the concern on the environment, then obviously, if you want to get involved with NFTs, you would do it on Mintable because we're the ones with the least emissions. Um, and that that's just a fact because we don't have transactions for minting an NFT. Yeah, I don't have any idea on the numbers or even looked into it to that degree, but people say the blockchain itself, like the mining of Bitcoin and the blockchain, that is intensive on computing and power usage, basically. is, the, is the, That's a, yeah, a reality. Yeah, Bitcoin... Bitcoin mining uses like more electricity than like like most countries. It's insane the amount of power that you use on that. But here's the thing: one, NFTs are not on Bitcoin; it's on Ethereum, which is completely different. Ethereum is moving to proof of stake, which is directly to address the power consumption and the scalability of the blockchain. So that's already in action. That's already being you know started in terms of moving over to this new proof of stake system instead of proof of work. Um, so the argument is just like, it's like an old man yelling at a cloud that, that meme, you know, he's just, they're just, they're just yelling to (laughs) yell when like, there's so many more important things that they can focus on, like trying to change. Yeah. Well, I think too, they probably just don't really understand the technology. The people that are complaining do not understand or or care to learn about it and don't understand that you're. We are going to have to go through some kind of change, no matter what, that will require energy and emissions. Like you said, anything, I mean, the, the if people uh, if NFTs and crypto grows, that might end uh, or speed up like uh, you know electric cars, electric vehicles, or it might cause people to be able to work more from different locations, not travel you know as much, causing you know emissions from their cars and stuff like that. So there will be some form of change coming, but, uh, but it, people aren't ready for culture. it. It's the cancel culture yeah. in America. I can't tell you how many accounts have uh, blocked Mintable's Twitter, which to me I'm like. First off, I don't know any of these accounts. They've only blocked it because we're on a list. We're on a list of like NFT platforms to block because of the environmental impact. Oh, God. But again, we have the least environmental impact. So why are people blocking us? And I mean, if you're just going to, what does that do? Why are you blocking us? Again, you know, every time you press that button, there's a server computing something that's putting out CO2 emissions. (laughs) Right. Like, it's just it just blows my mind at how ignorant some people are and the extent of like the extremism that they will go like blocking our social media accounts from viewing your tweets, which, you know, you have probably what, 50 followers or something. Right. How is that going to do anything for climate change? Like if you want to have activism and make some change, go do something that has no impact. Right. That's right. just it's just stupid. Uh, you know, I actually care about the environmental impact and I would like to make some changes. If I'm going to spend some time and effort, you know, complaining about something, it's not going to be something that has no impact. I'm going to do something that's got an impact and can actually make a change for the climate situation that we're in. Right. I'm not going to just yell in a cloud and bitch about things on Twitter and then produce more CO2. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's the cancel culture is what it is. It's just, um, you know, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird time in America with this cancel culture going on. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein, Mintable, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't, don't don't put us in the same category. No, <laughs> definitely not. No. But uh, what? A, so I was going to ask you. I, I looked it up here for a second. The uh, I found this on Gizmodo.com or whatever. The six 
uh, six ridiculous NFTs that people have paid money for. Like the, the I was wa- wondering if uh, Mentable, have you seen any like super wild ones? Like I figured some people are like, hey, let's do this. And so uh, the first one I see here is uh, it Logan Paul. I think I heard about this. He did like a Pokemon card. He only did he did thirty six packs. I guess a pack each NFT is like a pack of cards, right on there. And it, and I think it was like he made two million dollars on them. I think. Uh, and it's just yeah. it's like a Pokemon digital Pokemon card. Then uh, have you heard this one? Azealia Banks sex tape on the NFT. Have you heard that one? Uh, I don't even know who that is, but it's some yeah, some late Azealia Azealia Banks. Uh, it's just her sex tape. It sold for twenty two thousand dollars. So she put her sex tape sex tape on an NFT. Uh, and then there's a Taco Bell one that looks like it's just like a digital form of Taco Bell. Uh, but I didn't know. Was there any that? It, that you guys have done that you were like, whoa, that's crazy. I didn't expect to see that. Yeah, man. Some weirdo put up some pasta on our site today. That was kind of <laughs> It's a uh, hell of a pasta. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I, you know, it's kind of like trolling, but I, I was curious just the process of how you list something before we got on the call. And I was like, all right, I'll go through and I'm like, oh, I got this picture of pasta. But I was like, that's funny. You can just put up a picture of pasta and the value will be set. If somebody happens to bid on it, that is now worth one hundred and fifty dollars. That's what I I put the minimum at the minimum bid right. at one hundred and fifty dollars. Right. So we have a lot of people doing that. I was just busting your balls. Uh, I know. You know we have a lot. Yeah, of it's people all good. That, uh, that are experimenting. You know, sometimes they will just put test. They'll just put test, test, upload a random image. Right. Obviously, you know, we don't like that because you know you're filling our marketplace with like you know just junk essentially uh, but oh, we can't do shit. anything about that right? <laughs> well, you know, the pasta is okay i mean like that's it's very common that you know people are like i want to experiment figure out how it is and this is because we have no cost if you wanted to experiment on another platform it would cost you 75 bucks to make that pasta right uh, okay all right and you're not going to do that right <laughs> right it's an asshole so, now <laughs> i screwed right? up your website no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I I actually already placed a bid for 300. So, uh, oh. You know. oh, fuck yeah. Uh, so, um, but no, you know, we actually, I removed, uh, we had a sex tape. I removed it on the platform yesterday. Um, you know, we don't like porn on the platform. Um, if it's artistic, that's okay. But if it's straight up like porn, obviously, you know, yeah. anyone can view Mintable. So we can't really just have that on the front page. Right. Um, uh, We've, I mean, we've had some really cool stuff as well, like music videos, uh, you know, albums, ebooks, audiobooks, um, just a ton of really cool stuff. It's so hard to keep up because, you know, when we started and we launched the marketplace in December, you know, we had maybe like we got a thousand items and I was like, yeah, and I saw all the items as they were being made, you know, and I would see them every time I looked at the page. Um, but now, because of gases minting and everything we're getting like 10,000 nfts made a day you know we have like almost 100,000 nfts now in the marketplace for sale um we have you know over uh if i look at the number of users jesus we have almost 50,000 users and that's up like every day it's up like like i said like 20 percent um it's insane the growth that we're seeing um you know, so it's really hard to keep up and see everything. And yeah. I'm also extremely busy uh, with a ton of different stuff. So I, I, I'm not really up to date with everything. Um, but 
you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's, there's a lot of unique stuff and this is what you should do. If you want to start trading NFTs and start browsing mintable and going through those pages and finding that unique content, there's a ton yeah. of stuff that I personally buy myself because I've been in NFTs forever and I see some amazing artwork and I see it's listed for like five bucks. And I'm like, whoa, but five bucks, I can resell this for like 300 bucks. What, what are you doing? I immediately try to buy it. Right. Um, and so a lot of people that are new, I guess maybe they don't have confidence or they don't know how it works, but they'll list that masterpiece of a pasta that you made, Aaron, and they'll list it for five bucks. And someone like me comes in and goes, well, I could easily resell this for 200, 300, 400. I'm going to buy that. Right. Well, and look, even I got to. I have a food Instagram and I have 11,000 followers. So I'm going to blast it on there. We'll see what happens. But, so. but it, being realistic though, like not, not, I mean, that was, so at this point it already has a story cause it's on the podcast. Aaron does have 11,000 followers on his food blog. So that thing, you know, I'm not saying that's the great thing, but to, for him to take NFT seriously as a food influencer uh, that had a following, there's gotta be something you could do and it wouldn't have zero value. One thing that we can think about is remove the blockchain digital item aspect and just think of it as a real item, like a, like a physical item. So Aaron, you took a photo of some food, some pasta, you printed it out on some really nice photo paper, right? So really good, high quality photo paper. We talked about it on the podcast. How much is someone going to buy that for? Yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping $150. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the physical. You the print it out yeah, yeah, the piece printer, of paper. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. Nobody wants a printout of that photo. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. You're right. You're so, right. So, and not to crush your dreams. I mean, now maybe if there's a recipe for like the secret sauce of that on there, maybe it's got a little bit, you know, someone might buy that. But that's 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 how you need to think about NFTs. A lot of people are like, Oh, I just took a picture of this fire hydrant. Let me see if I'll get yeah. five hundred dollars. Right? So if a famous <laughs> chef was like, "Hey, uh, a famous chef was like, this is my famous salsa verde recipe. I'm the only one that knows it." Or say In and Out Burger, their uh, their yeah. sauce they put on the burger. Everybody knows it's Thousand Island, but we don't really know for sure. Maybe they have a recipe. They can make that an NFT, I guess. Right? Good. And they and can. That- Obviously, there's people that are going to want that, whether it's a competitor or just another chef that's got, you know, like, ah, 500 bucks, I don't care, I'll do that, yeah. I'll, I'll cost another burger. So there's people that are incentivized to buy these things. And this is, you know, this is how you need to think about it. It's like, if this was a real item, are people going to buy this, right? If this was a real, if I printed this photo out, am I going to get this price for it? Um, and if you use that approach for pricing, then what you'll see is you're going to want to put up high quality stuff that would sell in the real world. And you'll find that whatever pricing you do, it'll probably go for a lot more than that. If it's got some value and you think, well, in the real world, I might get 50 bucks for this, maybe a hundred bucks, maybe 200 bucks for this print. Then when you go sell it as an NFT, you might find that you're actually going to get a thousand dollars. But if you wouldn't be able to sell it in the real world, you probably also won't be able to sell it as an NFT. But also there's the bigger than just sell the piece too, would be something like, like for us. So Matt and I are in a band. Luncer used to be in a band too, but so our band Emory, <laughs> we, you did. You're not in the band anymore. It, it fell to pieces. Thank God. <laughs> but uh, we do like EPs for the, the our fan club. The, the, the we call it Emory Land, right? So we could just every member would just get an NFT, and that's the only people that would have that EP because we only give it to them anyway. But they just have access to it through you know uh, our site or whatever like that. So we could just every single person in Emory Land would get an NFT 
of that, and then we would never make any more. So if you're an original member of Emeryland, you're going to get that first EP on the NFT, and even later, Emerylanders wouldn't even get it. Like you know, it, right? Like I mean, you could just and that's not necessarily me selling that, but that's uh, our fan club that supports us financially and uh, and everything. So that'd be kind of neat that they would you could just give something to your your fan base, and it it still works out financially in a way because you're supporting you know you're supporting them they're supporting you down the line not just immediate here let me pay for this album you know instead of giving you 10 10 bucks for the album now they might oh they're getting this asset they're getting this cool thing oh it's rare oh they only made a you know a thousand of them or two thousand that's kind of cool instead of just selling just straight up selling the pasta picture also the like you're saying the whole experience of it like what if it was Aaron's recipe and that ad, if you, you can get this NFT, if you join his food blog and you know, he's not even, you know, selling necessarily the NFT. That's cool. Yeah, it is. And this is what I mean by creativity. You got to be creative with the way that you go about making your content. There's a ton of new ways that you can do it. You're not just selling a recipe anymore. You're not just selling a photo anymore. There's a ton of different unique spins that you can put on this. It's going to give it more value. So you got to be creative in the way that you want to make your NFT. Um, but you know, guys. So what I do need to run. I've got another meeting here. Uh, I'm already late to it, uh, and we've gone a little bit over. But I do want to say one more thing. The last thing, kind of the follow up, is that you can get started with NFTs on Mintable right now. So if you just go to Mintable.app, you make an account just like you normally would anywhere else, and you can start creating your NFTs completely for free. Um, if you don't have any crypto, you've never used crypto before, you just download this one extension, which is your wallet, uh, and that's it. You just download it. That's all you need to do. Um, and then you're going to use that wallet as like, you know, it's where, it's where all your items are going to go. Right. Uh, and you own that. We don't, it's all you, you control it all. Then you list your item for sale and you're going to earn money, right? When that item sells, you're just going to get money in your wallet. You're going to wake up, you're going to have money in the wallet. And you might find that the content that you're making for free somewhere else is actually really valuable as an NFT. And you might find yourself in a whole new career in six months because you made thousands and thousands of dollars from making NFTs and digital art or whatever content you make. So you should definitely go check it out. There's a reason that everyone's talking about it right now. And I mean, obviously, hopefully after watching this podcast, you guys realize, uh, you know, the, 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 the reason behind this, the, the awesome. attraction and the benefits. Um, but yeah, go check it out. I'm into awesome. Well, Zach, we really appreciate your time, man. Sorry yeah. we ran over, but uh, yeah, this is this was great, man. That was very enlightening. I learned a lot today because, like I said, I'm getting old and I don't know much about anything. So, uh, thanks for your time, dude. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was a blast. Yeah, we had a we had a really good time. So, how long how long did you say you've been in Singapore now? Uh, a little bit over a year and a half. Oh wow, is it, is it pretty fun? Cool over there? Is it is it just a good place too for like business and all that? I'm assuming as well. It's good for business, but it's suburbia. It's very boring. Really? Yeah. Well, it's one of the greatest food cities in the world, though. Not in my opinion. I, I, used, to <laughs> oh. in, I used to live in Bangkok, and that has food. That's got good Interesting. food. Interesting. Here in Singapore, like a lot of people say the street food. The street food here sucks. There's no street food. It's not, street food. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like Bangkok. If you go to Bangkok, there's literal street food. Like on the street, you get food. Here, oh, Anthony Bourdain's like a, a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah man it's and, and the, it's weird so everything here is a food court people talk about a food court that's the hawker center that's the street food right it's not a street food it's just in a food court um and every hawker center which is the food court um has the same stalls the same food everywhere all across the entire singapore maybe out of 25 stalls you'll get one unique one per hawker center but everything else is the same the exact same food 
um, just slightly very, you know, obviously it's just a new, new person cooking it. Uh, but it's all the same and it's just, adds subpar. but there's some really good restaurants. Obviously you can go yeah. get a $700 steak. That's literally like this thick and like size. Of- <laughs> don't, don't tell Toby about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that would kill me. I've never, I've never seen a steak so big and it's like literally $700. Um, and you can go get like sushi. that's like, you know, $1,500 a person. Um, so it's expensive, but it's, you know, five-star Michelin, you know, restaurant. Um, so there's some good food like that, but in terms of street food, I'd rather be in Bangkok. Uh, mm. I like, I like tasting the dirt and the brake pedals on my food. All right, dude. Well, we appreciate it again, man. It was great talking to you. Yeah. You guys have a good one. I appreciate it. Yep. We'll, see, we'll see ya. All right. Bye. All right. Well, Oh, mentable. I learned a lot, guys. I really did. I'm excited. I would like to see. I think you maybe you should lower the price now. Now I'm thinking of if, the pasta. Yeah, man. I think you should really try. I mean, Zach came on. You, you, we used his site. You used his site, mentable. For five dollars. I mean, yeah. well, I was thinking I mean, you should, you should you put something it with $5? it. Like, right. You don't, I mean, maybe you should really hand write out the recipe. And say you'll mail the the recipe to the person who buys it, and oh, a handwritten like a yeah, handwritten sell, yeah, sell it for yeah. twenty five or fifty bucks. Well, you know what might work too. Oh, I wonder if you know, like a video, like the video of cooking it or something like that. That might be yeah. good at an NFT. Yeah. So, yeah, he's right. The just the image of it probably wouldn't be that. I mean, I'm, it was a joke, really. <laughs> no, but. I know, but I mean, if you were a famous chef, it would actually be. I mean, yes. right? Like a famous chef cook, sh- just did an NFT of their dinner tonight. Like, who, who's For a famous sure. chef? Who's a who's a famous chef? Ronald McDonald. Who, uh, <laughs> 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 who Ronald you know, McDonald? <laughs> who's a famous chef? Bardi? No, uh, no. Chef Bardi. Who's a famous? Uh, uh, Mario Batali, but he's touched. He yeah. raped. Oh, uh, don't. Yeah, let's don't. Yeah. Uh, Ah, his uh, food was so good. Uh, Dang Eric it. Repair, very famous French chef. All right. So you Eric would love Repair. to know what, what he's eating for dinner tonight, right? Yeah, that yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, it'd probably be worth paying something, five bucks, to if he sent you his exact meal tonight that he prepared at his house. Well, and I mean, somebody like me who's into food, I would for sure pay for his very specific old country French right. you know, recipe of his cassoulet that he's never told anybody like yeah. i might pay for that right yeah for if sure. you care about it i was gonna say the thing with art and what is hard for people to wrap their head around physical or nft the price is set by whatever people will pay for it when right. when my ex who did art your first uh, wife yeah, yes <laughs> I, we were an old so it never happened but no she was an artist and she put a painting on sale for twenty eight hundred dollars because she didn't care if it's, you know, like, oh, right. whatever, 20 yeah. and somebody bought it. And now that's how much her art is worth. Yeah. From wow. that point on. It's like a comp in your neighborhoods, a house. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So yeah, yeah. that's how it works with the NFTs too. If somebody yeah. will pay, you know, once it's established, they, it, yep. that's it. Yep. You're on your way. So we'll figure it out. I mean, there's no, I mean, that's cool because there's a little gate to it to where you do have to actually have something that meaning, I mean, there does have to be meaning, but if right. you can get creative of how to package meaning, that's what this is about. But it is meaning at the core of it that people are paying for. It's not yeah. that it's not 
the meaning is what gives it its value somehow. Yeah. So tying those two things together. <laughs> Zach did not find a lot of meaning in your pedals. No, no, but I think some people would have more meaning in that than he thinks. I don't think no, he knows I, what I pedal agree. culture is like, but yeah. I agree. Uh, he does, yeah, he doesn't quite understand. He's like, who's your fucking ba-? Like, yeah. They want your, he's just yeah. thinking your, Matt's feet all over them. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to send that in the mail? Yeah. I mean, he, he probably doesn't understand that Emory, obviously, I mean, you guys have, uh, actual insane fans like that would pay for stuff like that they so. yeah i mean people love to get our test press or if we do a thing they like to give us tips and so if you could yeah. give them something i mean people right. are generous to us in, in a sense <laughs> and they get meaning out of it already so there's got to be something we could certify to them that would increase that for, yeah. for have, where they get more out of it teed, uh, tour buses Oh God! <laughs> no, because that's like those are history. Yeah, those yeah. Stuff happened in those buses that is I know historical in a way for the Emory, you know, story. It'd have been yeah. hilarious to sell an, our a, our tour bus as an NFT and then just ship the bus to that person. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want, the they didn't even want that. Handling, though, <laughs> they would not surprised. have actually wanted that. <laughs> our old 83 bus <laughs> back tire kind of flat. You wake <laughs> up and it's just outside Shit. your house. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. You I got I drunk said, and bought I it. All I wanted was an <laughs> NFT. I didn't know yeah. you were going to Damn it. You can leave notes around like this is where Dave threw up in his bunk and Aaron's wife cleaned it up. This is where Matt right, used but, to sit with the knife in front of his that, head on the that ground. We should make a digital. You need to commission or we need to go to the buses, hire a real artist, put the meaning and the plaques and all yep. the details in it and have somebody do a 3D render of the digital bus where you hover over and it says all that stuff and it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then you can NFT that. There you go. NFT the hell out of cool. things. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, I enjoyed it, fellas. See y'all later. Wait, <laughs>